0: Your next game is going to be cool and aloof, and here's why. In this episode, we find some answers to what are the traits of rogues that make them so interesting. How can these traits betray us when we're trying to play a badass? (laughs) And how we think through a rogue a little more to bring out what's in our heads. Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Travis. And I'm his brother, Jordan. So you and I both have rogue characters that we love to death. A lot of knives involved. A lot of sneaking about. (laughs) My first version of my rogue was the most stereotypical rogue I think anyone could make. Definitely that edgelord feel of I'm broody and moody and leave me alone and I work alone (laughs) and I do all of it. Whatever. Classic roguish traits. Classic rogue. We get to that place because they're fun. They're It's cool to play these kind of characters. They're the coolest characters from movies and books. Uh, Batman. Han Solo, of course. Oh, Han Solo's a great rogue. You've got the character from The Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, wow. You're going rogue with uh, Edmund Dantes? Hell yeah. What else would he be? Come on. He's just brooding for... Years and calculating his cold revenge. Touche. I can't think of, uh, of of a better fit for that. One of the best stories ever. Rogues have it. That is one of the best revenge stories of all time. Speaking of revenge stories, you got Wesley from Princess Bride. Yeah. He's a great rogue. You got Catwoman. She sits on that edge of trustworthy and not trustworthy and betrays you sometimes and is your best friend the other. Yeah. Robin or Robin is in batman sidekick. No. Ah, oh, you just took all the wind out of the sails of cool rogues. Okay, rogue. putting the wind back in. lock Lamora from the Gentleman Bastards. Ooh. Yeah. In that book series. He's a good rogue. Yes. We're gonna stop eventually, but there's so many rogues we love. So many rogues. You've got Rorschach from The Watchman. Badass Rogue, classic. Yeah. Yeah, he's got the grappling hook and everything. <laughs> yeah. What more could you want? And then even on the other side of things, you still got rogues like Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. You know, the, There's the mastermind subclass for rogues, calculating and brilliant. So yeah, there's tons of examples of really great rogues. And it's no wonder why they're the second most popular class, according to characters that have been made on D&D Beyond. And it's no wonder we want to pull them into our games. Because they're, they're the characters that are the rule breakers, the outliers. They're fun to play for these reasons. They work against the wrongs of society in these fantasy worlds, and they usually skirt that morality that ties a lot of people or the, the legal implications of doing a lot of the things that we want to see done. <laughs> yeah. And rogues just don't give a shit about your rules. You can just do it and spit on games. your rules. Yeah. I slice your rules out of your heart. (laughs) Jesus. That's what rogues do. You really amp that one up. Yeah. And there's a great opportunity for a hero arc in most rogues because true to Han Solo at the beginning of Star Wars, where he's aloof and he doesn't give a shit and he's only in it for the money and... It just It's so damn satisfying when he swoops out of nowhere to help the rogue squadron defeat the Death Star. And that's what makes rogues so good. So they do kind of have to be shitheads, but when they're bad, holy hell <laughs> are they ever bad. It's so easy to go the wrong way with these character traits in games. The one that makes my skin crawl to this day is that's what my character would do. When? Which is the ultimate scapegoat for I'm being <laughs> a dick at the table and I want an excuse to do it. Yeah. And so my character is a dick and I don't have to be held accountable for any of my shitty role playing yeah. that I'm doing. Kind of looking around and saying, that's the game we're playing, isn't it? <laughs> I could do what I want. And I think the challenge with that is that ultimately players in a D&D game cannot go their separate ways without becoming an NPC. So you end up creating a ton of conflict if you don't do this carefully at the table because the players can't get rid of you. So all of the other players at the table that are playing different alignments and uh, very different characters have to somehow be in the same room with you without being implicated in any of the crimes that you're committing on the reg. And if they don't want to, The options are you leave the group or they kill your character. Yeah. Whenever people do play a rogue that does something like that, I'm absolutely on the side of being like, your character can't travel with the party anymore because you've tried to kill them and steal from them and disturb them. And why would they keep you around? Yeah. Yeah. And the... Counter to that is that playing a goody two-shoes that gets along with everyone, it kind of sucks the fun out of the rogue because you chose the rogue for a reason, yeah for a lot of different reasons, and one of them is that. So, immorality. <laughs> immorality. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you play a rogue that's a shit disturber while playing a character that your party will like? You do what the rogues do best. Avoid the the traps better yet disarm them and breeze right through them let's do that in the strategy stateroom this is the strategy stateroom where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most so all of these tempting rogue traits are the role-playing traps that are super easy to walk into. And I think we should just get right into it and start rolling through these traps. Okay, so what's the first tempting trap of a rogue? I work alone. (laughs) So you're writing your character and you're like, yeah, I want to be the lone wolf. Yeah. Yeah, so beyond the obvious problem of being in a party, like unless (laughs) you're playing in a one-on-one kind of D&D game, this doesn't really work. Yeah. Just it's, <laughs> it's kind of broken. Pretty black and white. But that hasn't stopped people from using this as a character trait. Yeah. And I've actually personally seen this. Like I've been in games where the party the entire time and and how that really plays out is the party is constantly trying to cajole the lone wolf into doing stuff with the party. <laughs> While they're meanwhile sitting there saying what's in it for me why should i come with you and i've literally had to be in games where the party had to pay the rogue to come (laughs) on the quest which is absolutely bananas (laughs) i guess it keeps the story going and the rogue gets all the money i guess but (laughs) like the entire time as the party i'm just going like well then get bent go somewhere else then stay here and don't go on an adventure find your fortune elsewhere (laughs) there's clearly money in it but not only are we giving you a portion of the loot but then we have to pay for you to come (laughs) with us out of our loot because you're now a hireling i guess yeah the player is constantly trying to leave and boy that gets to be really freaking challenging so you know it's amusing once. Yeah. <laughs> and the next time, it's going to be infuriating. Yeah. 10 sessions down the road, the rogue's got some sweet loot. <laughs> and everyone else is playing with their basic. Computer. It's just rolling in this blinged out cart, <laughs> just stacked high with a personal guard. up in the back. <laughs> I need protection for all my loot <laughs> from you assholes that keep paying me. So, okay, as fun as it is to complain about it, how do we turn this into something actually playable? Yeah, so disarming this, you could need their help to accomplish a mission that's a part of your backstory. I think that's the easiest way to really do this and accomplish this is say, you know what, my rogue in one way or another needs something from either one of the party members or all of the party members because they're the most likely to help you Complete this task. Yeah, and you can work through your issues of being that lone wolf and kind of go through that character arc like every great rogue in the movies does. What if one of the players, one of the other players in the party, has like a secret map tattooed on them that you need to keep by, a la prison break or something like that? Yeah, <laughs> that could be kind of cool. Maybe the rogue character has been hired by someone else to track one of the party members. Oh, that's interesting. A little secret. Yeah, nothing wrong with keeping things from the party as long as it's interesting to the story and doesn't work against them. So your rogue is now playing the good guy in the party. And, well, I mean, that could lead to some really cool character transformation as well. If your rogue was hired to get close to one of the party members and follow them and understand them and hunt them and just like get really close like you're a, a mole yeah, in the group. Only to find out that maybe you've been duped by the person that hired you. Yeah, maybe they turn out to be the bad guy. And then you've got that cool story moment of like, I started this with, with bad intentions, but now we're allies. And I need your help to get back at the original hire. And that secret coming out, that creates drama and interest yeah. and tension. And I think you can still play a rogue that works alone and is a lone wolf if i mean downtime activity how long does it really take to get through a dungeon with a smattering of combat and you go into a dungeon you come out let's say a week maybe you throw in five long rests <laughs> in that dungeon delve and maybe you've been gone a week that leaves 99 percent of this rogue's life to do other stuff so you can still describe your rogue as being a lone wolf not really enjoying being with the party but sometimes needing them to accomplish their goals but as soon as the dm says hey okay downtime activities what do you do i piss the hell off and i don't go near anybody else and i can go be lonely and do my cool rogue stuff (laughs) cool rogue sharpen my tools general rogue Okay, so what is the next roguish trait? Are you just breathing into the... Oh. What are you doing? I'm the strong, silent type. (laughs) Ah, yes. The inevitably cool-sounding, but ultimately annoying character... (laughs) that doesn't say anything at the table because you're playing the role of never participating in this role-playing game (laughs) as the strong, silent type. Got it. That stands in the back and waits (laughs) for action. So how that really plays out is, like I alluded to, never contributing to a session other than combat. Yeah, like I think I have fallen into this trap before, and I think I'm going to be the cool dude that just intimidates from the back of the room. But then since D&D is a verbal role-playing game, like that's how things come out in character is through what they say for the most part. I realized that I wasn't playing the game at all. <laughs> I <laughs> Look was at just that. sitting there. You tricked yourself <laughs> out of playing a fun game. Yeah. <laughs> you roped yourself right out of that one. I only breathe so hard <laughs> before people start talking <laughs> over me. <laughs> what have you been doing this whole game? Didn't you hear how hard I was breathing? (laughs) That's, that's annoying. (laughs) So yeah, I think it's super easy to forget that playing out a brooding character just looks like a brooding player. You're just angrily sitting there. (laughs) Doesn't seem like you're having a good time. And I know these sound funny and ridiculous that anybody would actually kind of do this, but this happens to new players all the time. It happened to me. Yeah, I did it. That's why we're making fun of it because we've yeah. both done it to some degree. We have both <laughs> fallen into these traps hard yeah. and found our way out. And so how do we actually disarm a character like this? Well, I think that you can be a powerful, imposing presence, but that's just going to require thinking about describing things that aren't your words, so mm, yeah. Body language, like it's totally possible to just say this is what my character is doing rather than this is what my character is saying. So during the negotiations, you've got the party face, the obviously the bard. Of course, it's the bard. <laughs> the bard is up front making the negotiations, but your rogue can still intimidate from the back by sharpening a knife. Or like crossing playing. their arms and maintaining eye contact. Slowly shake your head in response to the bard's romantic advances on the <laughs> ship captain that you're negotiating with, and describing everything they do because a character has so much that is going on that is totally nonverbal, and and you can even be the center of the scene sometimes. Like if you want to. Try to negotiate with someone or intimidate them without just flexing your muscles in the back of the room. I mean, my character's name was Engin, So, you know, Engin approaches the vendor inches away from his face so they can feel his breath too expensive. Mm. Like I've still maintained a character that doesn't speak much. And even doing things through actions and touching and stuff like that that has an imposing or a dangerous quality to it, like rogues want to have. Yeah. But the thing that comes to my mind is in The Dark Knight Rises, when Bane puts his hand on the guy's shoulder, and it's just an open (laughs) palm on his shoulder, but holy shit is that intimidating. Yeah. And he doesn't have to give a long-winded speech. You can still be silent and strong, but Bane encapsulated that perfectly with the, do you feel in control? Yeah gestures um you know cracking knuckles clenching fists yeah i really like the idea of just constantly having your hand on the hilt of your sword in its maybe in its sheath and then whenever something happens that you don't quite agree with all you got to do is slide the blade out a little (laughs) bit and then slide it slam it back in nice (laughs) that's how to get the attention of everybody in the room well, there's that thing that people always say that 80% of human communication is all nonverbal. Yeah. So there you go. You know, from a raised eyebrow to squinting, to glaring, to flaring your nostrils, like it just goes on and on. You just got to think of it and Just bury terms. your teeth like a wild animal. <laughs> <laughs> just sit in the corner and just grimace and growl. But you have to describe that in the game. Otherwise... The rest of the people at the table have no knowledge of what you're doing and you're not really participating unless you are interjecting with really well thought out pop-ins like that. My character is sitting at the far side of the bar and when he overhears this part of the conversation, he just turns and snarls in their direction. Cracks his neck. There you go. That's a good one. Just a good solid <laughs> neck crack. And yeah. it's like, okay, it's about to pop off. And I think j- another thing to keep in mind with this is just like verbal communication, you're always saying something different. Like don't just go to the same thing every time or you do kind of become yeah a bland character again. But. but just note down five kind of things that the rogue is known to do. Fallbacks Yeah. and then good fallbacks. pepper in creative things. All right, moving on. So what's your next trait? I steal whatever I want, whenever I want, even from my friends. I knew you were going there. I knew you were going to steal from your friends. And honestly, so does everybody else. That's what my character would do. (laughs) So how that really plays out is losing friends that you've been playing (laughs) D&D with for a long time. Usually, yeah. Every time I see this play out... and. Honestly, it's it's a very common thing. I've tried to do it in the past. I've realized the folly of my ways. I think everybody tries this at least once. I'm trying to take something from another party member against their will. So it seems like it makes a fun scene at first. It Yeah. Consciously, it sounds, oh, this is going to create some good drama. But ultimately, it doesn't. It creates more drama at the table outside yeah. of the game than it does in the game. Yeah, Because what you end up getting into is the players at the table hear about this, but their characters can't act. So there's this weird power dynamic that shifts and it feels really, well, powerful on the rogue side to say, hey, you know what? You're never going to spot my plus seven to pickpocket. Yeah. And it's skills that are supposed to be benefiting the team, but now they're working against the team. Exactly. And then on the other side of it, as one of the players that's having something stolen, you either have to metagame and act on knowledge that your character doesn't have, or you just have to sit there and impotently feel like there's absolutely nothing you can do about this while your true-to-life friend sits there and describes stealing something from yeah. you. And you can't help but feel like now your character has been made to look like an idiot. Yeah. Which is not what you're usually going for. So even in scenarios... Where, you know, a downed party member has a healing potion on their person. Like, even that can sometimes feel a little bit weird. So, anytime a player wants to take something from another one against their will is just kind of dangerous territory. And even when it comes to pickpocketing other characters in the game, NPCs, I mean, in certain situations it can be fun and add something interesting to the story, but use it sparingly and carefully because it derails any plan immediately if your plan to just pickpocket nothing in particular off of the guard, like that's going to screw up your entire party's goals. I will say though that there are ways that I think you can do this without necessarily going into that dickish territory. When the outcome is inevitable one way or another, But this pickpocketing from an NPC is something that can drive the story forward. For instance, you know, in your scenario, it could very well get the entire party into some serious trouble. Yeah. But if you're, say, in heated negotiations with the big bad, now's that time to go and try and attempt to pickpocket Mm. because you know it's about to pop off and you know that the fight is about to start, whether it's now or in five minutes or maybe sometime in the very near future. But either way, the worst thing that happens is you get into the fight that you know was coming eventually anyways. Best case scenario you get to take something from that big bad that's his prized <laughs> possession, and now you get to use that, and the DM gets to use that as well yeah. as more fuel for the fire of this story. You can also be building off of your other players because there's still that danger of like stepping on someone's attempts to persuade that bad guy. Mm. But if you're, if you're adding to the tension of the moment, that's great. If you're stepping over... Someone's dialogue, that's kind of crappy. Well, and there's also something to be said about the other players being in on it. Use your powers to the benefit of the rest of the party. Yeah. So rather than going rogue and just (laughs) stealing shit from somebody that the rest of the party maybe wasn't necessarily on board for, instead you're standing in a big group, you're negotiating with some jerk, and the rogue gives a little eyebrow raise to the other party, and then a look down at the coin purse on the person in front of them, and then looks at the cleric and, and gives a little nod and a little <laughs> wink, and the cleric winks back and says, yes, do it. <laughs> Once you can get everyone else, now all of a sudden, everyone at the table is going to be just desperately awaiting the outcome of that role, yeah. knowing that it's either going to be a fight if they notice, or they're richer if they don't. And now the, the rogue is working for the party rather than working against the party by just creating and sowing chaos. <laughs> and those party members can even create a distraction at that point. Oh, yeah. Then the party says, oh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and draw their attention this way. And, oh, yes, please, uh, Emperor, come this way. And guides them towards the painting hanging on the wall or something while the rogue <laughs> does the roguey stuff. Teamwork. <laughs> With this one, you can have that one thing kind of be your character's weakness, too just super cliche but if my rogue loves jewels and the party knows that then they can kind of like oh shit there's a jewel on a pedestal right there in the (laughs) middle of this tense scenario who's got eyes on the rogue let's like cut them off of the past and try and help them fight their nature on this one yeah and rolling some kind of save to to overcome yeah your desire to go and steal that. And yeah, if everyone else is on board and the entire party knows this, then it's so much more fun than just the rogue wandering off mid-conversation with the diplomat, yeah, grabbing and trying <laughs> to steal the ruby and then failing and now all of a sudden everyone's in combat with a really important NPC yeah. of the story. Don't be in a boo. Don't get Aladdin trapped in the Cave of Wonders. <laughs> That's such a random <laughs> don't be in a boo, got it. all right, and the the final trait I care about three people, me, myself, and I <laughs> ah, all right yes this this one I'm very familiar with as I was left to die by a party member who just said, "Nope, I'm out. really? Who was this? Honestly, I forget. I've blocked the memory. It was very traumatic. Painful for you. So, yeah, how that attitude really just plays out is screw everyone else. I don't give a shit. I'm not going to help you fight the bad guys. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to... During combat, I'm going to go and loot the room so I can beat everyone else to the punch. Yeah. Oh, Oh, that one. I've, I've seen that before. As you're trying to stay alive, the rogue is taking the stuff secretly and rolling stealth checks to do it without you noticing. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Oh, so painful. This is so frustrating, but it happens a lot. And yeah, again, it's one of those things that sounds cool in theory, but then when it plays out, you lose friends over it. (laughs) So how do you actually make that play to a strength? How do you disarm it? Well, going back to the character arc, this is one of the great ones, learning to become someone that works with people and helps them rather than just that super selfish character. And you can play a selfish character without actually screwing over the party. Mm -hmm. You can go down that road, but then still end up giving the party the loot. Your character can learn to trust over time the other people in the party, and it's part of their character expansion and becoming just a better person to say, you know what, you're the only people that I won't steal from. Yeah, because they've saved your life, they've done things for you. Exactly. Talk about the times that you've done this to other people before, and how you've got that selfish nature. Express that through role play, and then when you're not that way. It's a huge deal when you come through and actually do the heroic thing. Well, and further to that, you can describe this backstory of really shameful behavior. And that makes the party that much more important when in combat, you really never have left the party. You've always played on the up and up. You might as well be the paladin because you're always in the thick of it as the rogue, saving people, dragging them out of harm's way. You're in there fighting tooth and nail. And then you kind of like deny it afterwards, even through roleplay, like downplay the heroics of it because you don't think you deserve it or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so now every other player at the table has never got a beef against you as the person playing the rogue because you've always been there, but it always comes out about a story about how you left your best friend to die yeah. in your backstory. And now all of a sudden that feels a little bit more weighty, what you've done. I like it. What about, here, just hear me out on this thing. Okay, so you've got an arcane trickster. You've got a mage it. hand. Yes. I want to make a character that knows that looting the room is the priority while not screwing over everyone else in the party. Okay. So, you always enter a room and drop a big sack at the entrance. And using your concentration, (laughs) while you're backstabbing, getting your sneak attack, you've got Mage Hand doing all the collecting, so that if the party does have to split in the nick of time and do a major retreat, you still got all the loot. You got some loot out of it, yeah. Yeah, you got a little something. So the, the rogue is always in it for the rest of the party. And is always planning a contingency, even if you get your asses kicked. <laughs> That's good. Good use of mage hand. Oh, that was my uh, character was an arcane trickster. And there's a couple of things that I think I learned going into that character about rogues. One of them was that in that character's backstory, he'd lost his first group. So as much as he wanted to keep being a rogue, he had a reason to stick around with a new group and like work with them more. Actually, that was a really well played out example of exactly what we're talking about is, yeah, your character's backstory was all about how they had all died and he felt immense guilt and responsibility for saving and trying to see through the party. And it started with a very abrupt, hey, I don't, I don't need this. I I shouldn't be here. Like, you guys are in trouble if you hang around with me because people near me tend to die. Yeah. And then you were always trying to save them and you were always in the thick of it and you probably went down more (laughs) often than anybody else in that group. Yeah. Because, yeah, you were always trying to take care of this new party because you didn't want to fail like that again. With those same characteristics. Exactly, yeah. And my other favorite thing about that character was... The fact that he loved to pickpocket, but he did it in his downtime and gave the stuff to his party members. (laughs) That's true, yeah. You did a lot of... Every carousing opportunity while everyone else was off talking to barmaids and getting drunk and gambling, you were always pickpocketing and then bringing (laughs) the loot back. Here's presents. Here's (laughs) presents, yeah. Well, hopefully that helped. I think... I mean, rogues will always be my favorite class. I love rogues to my core, and I've learned how to play better rogues over the years so that I don't fall into the same nonsense, (laughs) because honestly, I've fallen into every one of these traps before. No longer. You can't fool me again. I've learned my traps. I've learned how to disarm them. Never again. Well done. So you have another clue for the contest contest to win a copy of the monsters know what they're doing by Keith Alman, excellent book you need this book so quick rule recap one guess per episode so you're up to four guesses this time around and all that's really required is that you leave an iTunes review and tell us which one it is and then reach out to us on Instagram Or Discord or Twitter, Facebook. Any one of those, and guess that way. All right. Guess the monster by this clue. You thrust your sword forward, attempting to plunge it into its green face, but it shoots you a toothy, charming grin, and you feel compelled to compliment its delightfully intricate staff. Ooh, there was a lot of clues in that (laughs) one, I feel. Well, best of luck. Let us know your guesses. And thanks to Tabletop Audio, as always, for the sound effects that you heard in this episode. Follow us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Discord, and Reddit. And thanks for listening. And play oh, great. great games. <laughs> the consequences.
1: Of I don't need course. your shit. Deal. <laughs> ah.